Hello, this is Contractor Coffee Club Podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on EGIA.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGIA snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the privilege of interviewing Eric Knack from Isaac Heating and Air. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. How about you? Oh, man, I'm on this side of the grass. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think, you know, in preparing for this, I was trying to think when and where did we first meet? Oh, boy. That was, oh, gosh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe more. At, well, I think it was one of the ACA national conferences. I think so, too. Or maybe a Comfort Tech in 02 or 03, somewhere in there. Could have been a Comfort Tech. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, it was a while ago. But you, I, I couldn't couldn't miss you. You're what, like seven foot ten? Yeah, eight foot two, somewhere in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. When I stand next to guys like Adam Hudson, I really look tall. But yeah. <laughs> so, well, I really helped you out then because you've seen me in my height and stature. So. <laughs> yeah, but you're fit, man. You you know you're like you get to the chopper. You know, it's like okay. <laughs> so. So how did you get started in HVAC? Well, for me, it was actually, I, I was in the Marine Corps, got out of the Marine Corps back in 1989, actually. It was a while ago. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my father, who actually retired from Isaac Keating back in 2010, uh, got me an interview with Mr. Isaac, and I decided to come on board. I honestly, I, I thought I would be here a handful of years. I wasn't sure what I would want to do. And now, 29 years later, still here, and uh, they're, they're still keeping me around, so it must be working out. <laughs> 29 it's like that uh, It's like that movie where the guy starts out as the uh, part-time school teacher. He's a musician. He says, you know, uh, Mr. Holland's opus with Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, yes, yes. And he says, yeah, I'll just do this teaching thing until I get my band on the road. Right. right. And then 30 years <laughs> yeah. later, you know, he's still teaching. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you never got your band on the road, did you? Oh, I, you know what? I, I and I'm better for it. So this this has worked out <laughs> tremendously. It really has. Well, you work for an extraordinary company, and recently, and I think you said this to me a couple of weeks ago, Isaac is the 98th largest residential search service company in HVAC. Is that true? Well, it was uh, there was a contracting uh, contracting magazine had the top 100 mechanical contractors uh, based on volume in the United States. We didn't apply for anything or turn anything in, and we somebody sent it to us, and we're number 98 on that list. 98. So number 98, yeah, nationally. That was like, oh, my God. We're, we don't know where it came from, but we, we accept it. <laughs> right? Yeah, who's doing yeah. all this measuring anyway? I appreciate the research. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But yes, that was that was that was that was exciting. That was fun to see. It's like, all right, what we're doing is working, and we're getting the progress, and we're growing, and we're creating opportunity. I go, this is like perfect. Why do you suppose you've had that kind of extraordinary growth? I mean, year to year, you guys just keep growing, ten, fifteen, twenty percent a year. How do you explain that? Uh, honestly, it's a combination of things, Mark. I mean, you know, it it does fall back on two things. Uh, it's having Actually, I'll say three things. It falls back on having the right people, and we we have a tremendous team here. We we've got we got people that just love what they're doing. They're they're happy to share with others. They're happy to teach others. They they do what needs to be done when we get busy. It's just a great group of people. The other one is our culture. Um, our we have a really we feel a really strong culture here. It's not perfect, and and I think that's 
where part of our strength lies is that we know we're not perfect and we're always trying to improve on what we're doing. And the other factor that really affects it is the leadership. Ray Isaac, who's a president of the company, um, he is one of four brothers who are the owners of the organization as of last year. They just uh, they had bought out their uh, father and uncle last year, so the four brothers own it. But Ray is a, he's a president of the company, and he he is a he is a leader. I mean, he he's a student of leadership. He's a visionary, and he not only brings things in the organization, but he he gets it so that we're all living it and breathing it and preaching it and practicing it every day, all the way through our management, supervisory, technician, support staff, everybody. It just cascades down, and it's it's really strong leadership. So people, culture, and leadership. Yes. Yeah. I would say those are the three that really make it happen. Now, one of the things I remember, I mean, I've had the privilege of being out there a few times working with you guys, and I'm really blown away by uh, the quality of your facilities. And two things. Uh, one, the red, you know, the brand of red. And the second is <laughs> yes. is how, because it's the red is like everywhere. Explain that, if you would. Why red? Well, that, that was just, that would have to just be the color that they chose. Uh, gosh, that's going back. That's going way back before beyond my time. So sometime back in the 70s. And I don't know the reason behind the red other than that it stands out. Uh, so yes. there, there may be more of a story to that. But that is that is our that's a color of our vehicles and it's the color of our uniform shirts. And right. every people I run I run into people and they say, Oh yeah, Isaac with the red bands. With the red right. bands. They, everyone knows the red bands. Right. So of which we've got about about two hundred and fifty of them on the road. So there's a lot of red bands driving around western and central New York, parts of Pennsylvania and Vermont and Connecticut and everywhere else that we go. So <laughs> And you guys do a great job with marketing that brand, coloring books, pens, uh, notepads, just where did all that come from, those marketing ideas? Uh, we just try to find some different things. That, you know, uh, you, you change them up every now and then. You do something different. The Isaac pens, people like the Isaac pens. It's actually a, it's not a typical rounded ballpoint pen as far as. It's a know, triangle, right? Yeah, it's tri- It's a triangle shape. And people like the way that they're fit in their hands. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here right now clicking one in my hand, so uh, I can tell you they're they're very addicting, and it's and it's a click pad, right? It's a bic, so you get to click it, and people like right. that. Yeah. Um, but our but our pens are everywhere. Uh, we've got them with the different phone numbers for our different locations, and we've gotten to where like I will go if I'm going to uh, lunch or I'm going to dinner, I carry some in my car. I grab a handful and I drop them off at the hostess station because I know somebody's going to take them. That's great. They don't do us any right. good sitting in a box. And right. uh, but the yeah the pens are everywhere. We've got you know we've got our we've got little red trucks or like uh, like a diecast one twenty fifth scale type trucks that we have with the Isaac logo on them that we use. We got travel mugs and anything else that will draw people's attention and help them uh, remember the Isaac name when the time comes. Well, they do remember. I was on a flight one time uh, to Rochester, and and this woman sitting next to me who was from Rochester, and I said uh, so. Do you know about Isaac Heating and Air? She goes, Oh yeah, they're they're red trucks are everywhere. It's like it's the first thing she said. She goes, You can't miss them. They're they're everywhere. And I said, Yeah, there's like a hundred of them. She goes, Oh, at least. Exactly. I was actually I was this Fourth of July holiday. I was at a party, a group of people I'd never been with before. I'd gone with somebody, and um, they you know we're talking about where do you work, and I think two of the people said, Oh, the red vans, the red trucks. It's like people people know it, and as long right. as they know it, we're going to stick with it. I was really taken by all the photographs of employees when you walk in the lobby. Explain that if you would. Oh, well, so yeah, so we have our we have our employee board 
uh, which actually you mentioned the lobby. So since you were here last time, a couple of years ago, we moved into a new facility. We went from about 30,000 square feet to now about uh, just, just over 70,000 square feet. Wow. And we're, yeah, and we, we actually could use more, but we're making do with what we've got. We've only been here three years. But the employee board, which is now in our, in our current facility, it's in the hallway outside the break room. And every employee has their photo up there with their name. And that's so, you know, you meet somebody new and you, or you saw somebody, you can't remember their name. You can go look at it, remember who that coworker is. Right. They've all got a four by six photo up there. And, uh, and Ray does a really good job of, of knowing who's who. He, he does much better than I do. I try to remember names and I, I do all those little tricks and like that to try to remember. But when you get to 350, 360 people, I just, I can't keep up anymore. But Ray right. does a great job of knowing who's who. But I'll walk by somebody, and if I can't remember their name after I say hello to them, I'll go up to the picture board. I'll find them. I'll say, okay, that's Mike or that's Susan or whoever it is. Right, right. Yeah. So you, but it's it allows cool. you to cheat. Yeah, exactly. It does. It does. In a good way. It, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be able to remember everybody's names, but I, with branch locations, I've got people that I don't see as often, and I, I just don't. So this is a way for us to still stay connected. How many branches now? Uh, we have, well, five branches, a total of six locations, including the main office. And uh, so our main office is in Rochester, New York, which is, you know, Western New York. And there were also offices in Syracuse, Buffalo. Um, there's two areas south of Rochester, uh, Avon and Canandaigua, uh, which are in the Finger Lakes. And then we've got an area down in the Corning, Elmira area, which they call the uh, Twin Tiers. It's the southern tier of New York, the northern tier of Pennsylvania. We service both of those areas. Where and Tom Edison was from? Uh, yes, at, uh, Samuel Clemens. Right, Mark Twain. Mark Twain was from there, yes, exactly. Yeah. Elmira, New got York. A, Elmira, New York, yep. And then we've got a, we've got a handful of technicians in Albany, uh, but we don't actually have a brick and mortar there. And then we've got a crew down in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that's been working down there for about four years. Nice. So it just keeps growing. It does. It does. Yeah, you you hit on it earlier. Um, last year, so 2016, 2017, after being in business for 73 years, uh, we had our we had our biggest year ever, and that was about almost a 20% increase in volume from the previous year. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's, well, it's and great. A huge part of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a huge part of your success is the commitment you have to training and education. I remember you said one time it's 40 hours a week per employee or 40 hours a year per employee of training. Uh, that was back then, but that's actually uh, it's increased some since then. But yes, we are very diligent with our education and training program here through Isaac University. And you've created curriculum. You bring in speakers. That's how we met. You, it's just it's really, truly committed to training and education. It's a part of your Without culture. Without without a question. I mean, I, I like to, when I talk to people during, during interviews, I like to relate that to like it would be, we have a, there's a hospital here and, and a university. It's, it's Strong Memorial Hospital and the University of Rochester, which is a uh, medical school. And they're, you know, they have that close relationship. You go to the school, you go to the classes, and then you go to the hospital and work. We kind of look at it the same way. We're a teaching organization. And Isaac University, which is our formal training program, has been in place since 2002, 2003, right around there. Uh, we have a full-time uh, training and education director. 
We have a 65, 70 person classroom. We've got a smart board in there. We've got cameras so we can broadcast the classes online for any employee who might have to miss a session but still wants to see it remotely. And then we have about a 2,500 square foot lab uh, that has about 50 pieces of um, operating equipment, including generators and a rooftop unit. So we've got, and they're right next to each other. So we go through theory and presentations in the classroom, and then we go right into the lab and able to do the hands-on, which is where really where a lot of the learning, the impactful learning takes place. But we, we teach the theory as well. We want people to understand uh, why we're doing what we're doing. And that program is just, that, that's been how we've been able to grow because without it, as most contractors know, there is a huge shortage of uh, HVAC professionals. So we're basically bringing people in and developing them ourselves through the Isaac University curriculum. And actually, as a, as a nice caveat to that, uh, this past spring, uh, we just uh, signed an articulation agreement with uh, Monroe Community College, uh, which has an HVAC uh, program. And now Isaac University will count as uh, up to 18 credit hours towards an associate's degree. Nice. Yeah, that's that was exciting to sign that. So you're going where the prospective employees are, but you also use training education as a way to attract and retain the people that you have. Exactly. Yeah, the retention piece is important because we have we have 16 modules uh, that we actually have developed and have all been. Uh, we're actually certified. Our whole program is certified through Para, which is a national uh, accreditation program. And our 16 classes, which are everything from like gas heat one, gas heat two, we get into hydronics, commercial controls, refrigeration, everything that we do. All those classes are part of the curriculum. And that is used for retention and training. And back in 2015, uh, we started uh, Isaac University Boot Camp. And we are now get ready, getting ready to start our ninth boot camp. Actually, next Monday, it will be starting. And um, that's what, the 16th. And the boot camp, we bring in roughly 20 students. Uh, they've already been vetted, interviewed, tested, and everything else out of about 100 applicants. We bring 20 people in and they go through a 12-week training program. It's 40 hours a week. It's paid by the company. It's not state-supported or county-supported. We pay every penny of it. And they go through 12 weeks of classroom, lab, and on-the-job training. And when they're done, if they complete the program, they are promised a position in the company. That is a boot camp. It is a boot camp. It really it reminds, is. Me, it reminds me of weeks. Disney. Disney has a policy where you're, you train for like three or four weeks in their underground bunker before you ever see a customer. Exactly. Exactly. And so you do it at Disney. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and we went 12 weeks and we felt that was, we, we originally, we did 12 weeks and we, or we did eight weeks. Then we went 12 and we decided that 12 is really what was needed to get people fully ready to be able to start their career. That's awesome. Now, you, I remember you told me a story. We were at Comfort Tech, and, and you said, you know, we bring five or six people. They go to all the different classes, and then when you get back, everybody takes copious notes. And when, you, when they get back, you put all the ideas on a whiteboard. Would you explain that? Oh, yeah, that, and that's uh, something I had done early on is exactly what we had. Uh, I remember the, like, the last one was like in Baltimore, I think it was. But we had two, two groups go down, drove down together, 
they all attended different classes. And then we got back, we just basically brainstormed, okay, what did we learn and what do we want to share with the rest of the organization? So we went into the conference room, had the whiteboards, and we just started writing down all the areas and topics we wanted to talk about and then decided how do we communicate that to others. And some of it was written, some of it was verbal presentation, some of it was set up in the classes, but it was, it was a very effective tool to get that communication across. And part of what we did is because there were so many different sessions available is we said, hey, we don't want any two people in the same session um, unless we got all sessions covered. And it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty neat way to train people and bring things back. Well, you empower them and they're, you go from compliance to commitment. They know they have to come back and share something substantive and content rich. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, they go, well, I got nothing. You know, that's not, yeah. that's not an option. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I was sleeping during that. I didn't, I didn't get anything. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, man, so how you have a director of training. Do any of your people train as well? Have you, do you train the trainers? Yeah, so we so we have a, a director of training who oversees the overall training program. But when we're doing, um, let's say we're doing some lab work, he will bring in, we've got a, a group that we call our technical leadership team. These are senior technicians, installers um, that are the ones that go out and help people when they need help. So they will help in the lab um, when we get to a hands-on portion because we try to be very careful about that ratio of students to instructors uh, right. especially in the lab, because we find somewhere eight to one, maybe nine or 10 to one at most is what we want. So they'll help in the lab or we'll split the class into two and TLT will take half in the lab while um, our training director uh, continues doing the classroom portion. And then we'll flop them around halfway through the day or something like that. So we get them involved. We also get some senior technicians involved. Or if we're doing a specialty class, maybe something our home performance area. We bring an insulator in to go through the insulation process and how we do that and what everyone needs to be aware of. So we try to utilize all the resources. And I would say most every member of our team likes it when they get called in or asked to help out because they get to share their knowledge and right. to help their coworkers to learn. So everybody understands what our value means. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. That's, and, you know, I, uh, the thing I was struck by was the uh, – the depth of the technical training with the faults used for troubleshooting, right? You flip a switch in the back of that and the lockout relay or the contactor is not engaging. So yeah. you guys are really committed to the technical side of the training as well as soft skills. Oh, by all means. I mean, the, it started out as technical um, and we, we've always had a soft skills component or, or what I like to call success skills. And the, the success skills have been added in um, over the years to, to be uh, m more in depth. And we're actually in it, we're in a process right now and we're trying to finalize a schedule, which is probably going to start September. Um, we're actually going to now put together a success skills training program that is separate from the technical that we're trying to do a one year schedule in advance so that everybody knows what's coming up. And it's going to be anything on the success skills that you could think of from Presenting, uh, presenting options to a homeowner or a business owner. We do, I, I actually do a session on how do you communicate with a single parent when they are the ones to take care of the home or when you're talking with one homeowner when the spouse is out of town for business because you have to communicate a certain way so that things can be communicated to the spouse who is missing. 
So, and how to work with elderly folks, because mm-hmm. when you run into, when you have elderly parents or something like that, there may be a, a caregiver or someone who helps them who they communicate with from time to time. So we want to be sure what we communicate is easily communicated to them. So it needs to be documented. So we have a whole, we have a whole class just on that. And it goes everything through the sales process and whatever you can think of on success skills we try to cover. Yeah, I know a guy in Edmonds who, who teaches a lot of that stuff. I'll introduce you to him. I think you'll like him. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I've heard of him before. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. big son of a gun, yeah. I, I've, I've heard that too. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. pretty uh, pretty heighty. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few years ago, I wrote a nice little article, and I included you in it, uh, called Nice Guys Finish First. And if I had to define your culture and the people there, uh, I would say that's the 350 of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. And in that article, I talked about uh, service agreements. So tell us why I don't you have like what 35,000 service agreements or some ridiculous amount. It's a, a lo- almost just under 26,000 residents. 26,000. Okay. Yeah. But you guys also do commercial as well, right? Yeah, and I'd say we're 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 right around 3,000 on the commercial side. Okay, so almost 30,000. Why service agreements? Why the emphasis? Oh, they're, they're, you know, now our sales manager will, will argue this point, but we, we say service is the lifeblood of the company. He says sales is, but that's okay. We'll, we'll let that one go. Um, <laughs> but the beauty, the beauty of the service agreement or maintenance agreement is that it allows us to keep our technicians working year round. So they're not getting these ups and downs, uh, not only in the workload, but it affects their paycheck. You know, so right. when companies slow down, Okay, great, but my bills don't slow down. My mortgage stays the same. So by having those, one, it allows us to keep a nice steady workflow. It keeps everybody working. Secondly, is when a client has a maintenance agreement with us, well, we're going to be the first ones that they call. You know, they may get, they may call somebody else or get quotes from somebody else, but our experience is, and I, you know, I'll throw the percentages out there, but it's pretty high that if they've got a maintenance agreement with us and they need new equipment, we're the ones that are putting it in because they've already built that relationship of trust with Isaac. And that's well, what, what I hear is it's 90%. Uh, it's it, it just, it just, just shy of that. That is correct. Yep. 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 So it's because the trust number. is there and the relationship is there. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you, that's the one, that's the one piece that you can't argue with either. It's there or it's not. And once we've established that relationship, it's our responsibility to make sure it stays there. Right. So you were having, I'm sorry. No, how do you how do you get uh, technicians involved in that process in, in selling and, and influencing service agreements? Yeah, ed- education and training. And that's what it's about. We we talk about it regularly. It is tracked on a weekly, monthly basis. Each month, our technicians, all of our service technicians, uh, get their monthly progress reports, kind of like a report card in high school. And one of the items that is that is measured is their maintenance agreement sales. And we always say that you never you never are selling anything to a homeowner. You're educating the homeowner, right. consulting the homeowner, and if you give them information that they find valuable and useful, then they'll make a purchasing decision, and that's how right. you do it. So what we ask our technicians to do is you present it to every homeowner so that they're aware of it, and they'll make the decision. And then we do we do training with the technicians. We do role playing. We give them, you know, tips on how to present something to a homeowner, when to present it, right? There's a right time and there's a better time. Well, what's the better time to present it? And we just continually talk about it 
And we've gotten it to the point where it's just, it, it's honestly, it's like a machine. But our home, right. we don't have homeowners calling us and saying, oh, I bought this and I don't want it. It's like, no, they, they purchased it because that's what they wanted to do. You're not selling, they're buying. Exactly. And there's a big difference. There is a big difference because it's my decision yeah. if I'm buying. Exactly. And, and because of that, because it's their decision, we talk to the technicians about that. If you don't present a maintenance agreement to a homeowner, then you just decided for them that they don't want one. Right. You right. need to present it so the homeowner or the business owner can make that decision. Well, the, when I started selling service agreements, I was a technician, and I, I literally remember the first service agreement I sold. It was a, a two-story building in downtown Seattle. It had 10 five-ton units on it. And I said to the, the owner of the building, I said, you know, he was complaining about the cost of the compressor change. And I said, you know, only the good die young. And he said, excuse me? I said, well, this compressor never should have died. It was only four years old. I said, but that's not the worst part. There's nine other units on the roof just like it, all waiting to die because you haven't done any maintenance. You know, the filters are collapsed, okay. belts, belts broken, right? Yep. And he said, well, what are you saying? And I said, well, if this was my mother's building, what I'd tell her is, you know, Ma, you got to let me clean the coils. You got to let me change the filters and replace the belts. Whatever it costs for me to do that is going to be more than made up on lowering your operating costs and extending your equipment useful life. And just then my, my pager went off. And, you know, back then, and you remember the days of the pagers, uh, when, when it would go off, we'd stand up like Superman and go, I've got to get to a payphone, you know. <laughs> Where's my quarter? <laughs> right. And so yeah. for the millennials listening, they go, what? So anyway, yeah, payphones were these things that we had. So and then he said something that changed my life. He said, I'll take it. I said, I'm sorry. What is it you're going to take? It? He said, whatever it is you're selling. I said, no, no, I'm not in sales. He said, the heck you're not. Write it up. <laughs> now, I didn't know what it was, but he wanted it up. What <laughs> he wanted. So, exactly. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't selling. He was buying. And and literally, I and I think that's really the key is if you can get technicians to say, look, if this was my house, or this is my mother's house, this is what I would do. But it's but it's your building. It's your house. You do what you want. And that detachment is really the secret to high close ratio is just saying, look, this is what do you think, doctor? And the doctor is going to say, well, you know, take these pills and you won't have that pain anymore. Right. And and, and you, you said it. It's it's educating and raising their awareness about how to communicate to to prospects exactly and and the homeowners are like i said 99 percent of the homeowners that have our mates agreement enjoy having it especially when they have a failure right then it's right. like oh it was an even better decision and the the big part of this too is that our our maintenance agreements about 90 percent of them are full coverage so it includes your maintenance plus it covers repairs Oh, that's labor awesome. the whole nine yards. And so for that reason, they are a more expensive agreement, but yet we still sell. That's not about 90% of what we have out there. And you say that to a lot of contractors, full coverage, and, you know, they, they freak out. They go, what? Oh, I don't want that kind of exposure. I don't want that risk. But if right. you do it right, there isn't any risk. No, it's and it's, and it's based on volume. You, you will always have some that underperform. It's going to happen, but based on the volume, you it works. We've been doing right. it for about 30-some years we've been doing it, so it does work. What's the hardest part of your job? I mean, well, first of all, tell us what your job is. What's your title? Oh, so I'm, uh, I'm vice president and general manager. So that's my day-to-day -day role. So Ray Isaac is the president of the company, and uh, I'm the next person after him. And comes in a day-to-day. What's the biggest challenge in your position right now? Biggest challenge is probably it's, it's handling – it's handling what comes with growth uh, because our growth has been so strong 
there's a lot of there's a lot of resources that are needed, and the number one resource being people. Um, right. Having the right having the right people on the bus, in the right seat on the bus. Right. And in a, in a job market that right now has an unemployment rate below four percent, it's getting more challenging to find candidates. But we keep working it. So I actually just met on Friday with our recruiter because we have a full time recruiter, and we met and we were talking about how can we go about what other resources are available, and we started brainstorming on where else we could start looking for potential candidates. We would love somebody with experience, but that's not going to happen for the most part. So we'll do all the training, but we need to find a good candidate to start with. So biggest challenge is definitely going to be on the resources needed to cover the growth. Right. And you grow your own. So they, that way you can, you alluded to Jim Collins quote, you know, where's the bus going? Who's on the bus? And are they in the right seat on the bus? And your second, the second one is getting the right people that fit in your culture. Exactly. You, you can train them to do the technical stuff and the sales right. stuff, right? Oh yeah. That, that's all teachable. Right. That's all teachable. The hard, as you, as you said, Mark, the one is, is the cultural fit. And that's one of the reasons, or actually I should say the primary reason that when we look at a new candidate, at three interviews uh, before we bring them on board. The first one being with our recruiter, the second one being with the hiring manager, and then the third interview, which is either Ray Isaac or myself, is it's about cultural fit. I'm not talking to someone about the technical aspects of their job. That's what the hiring manager has done. Right. I'm, I'm looking at culture. I wanna make sure not only are they a good fit for us, but are we a good fit for them? Because if it's not a, a mutual relationship, it's going to be short term, and we don't we don't want that. Anybody I interview, I'm always looking at them as will they be here 25, 30 years from now, and that's how I make my decisions. Right. My youngest son's college coach. When I asked him about recruiting, he said, "You know, I ask a series of questions. The first one I ask is how are his grades. The second one is I ask the, his high school coach how is his attitude. Is he teachable? Okay. And then, then number three is he willing to work hard." Right? Is he willing to put in the time? And that's that's really what I'm hearing you say is, you know, uh, first and foremost is, you know, do they have some basic knowledge? Number two, do they have a great attitude? Right. And then you train for skill. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's so you, great. And if they don't have the attitude, if the, if the attitude's not in the right place, the rest is not going to happen. And so we talk and when we do the we do our boot camp, we always have an orientation for all the candidates. And Ray gets up and he talks to them for a little while. And the thing we always talk about is passion. You have to have a certain level of passion for what you're doing. Otherwise, don't do it. Do something else. But there, you know, we, we don't, you know, heating and air conditioning. I'm not passionate about heating and air conditioning. I enjoy it. I like doing it. But I'm passionate about helping people to grow, helping people to become something more than they would have on their own. If I can help somebody accomplish something more, then I've done my job. You're a coach. It, it, it is coaching. Really, yeah. You're right. It is. You played baseball, right? Uh, I did not play baseball. No, I did not. But your I, son I played did. Football. played football. My son played baseball, yes. That's right. That's right. So did sports and specifically football kind of teach you about coaching leadership? Was that a big part of it? It, it was It was part of it. Um, I would say I got more of that out of where I got the most of it, I say when I was in the Marine Corps. In the Marines, in okay. The yeah, when I was in high school, I, I got parts of it, but I think I was still too young and too immature and too focused on everything else to worry about that. It wasn't until I got in the Marine Corps and started to interact with some folks who really were trying to help you to become better. And uh, it started in boot camp, and it just carried on from there. And then here here at Isaac, I've been, honestly, I've been fortunate 
that uh, early on in my career, I worked w- with Jim Isaac, um, who was just the, the guy's a legend. The guy, the guy's amazing. And then for the last several years, I've worked very closely with Raymond, and he's just he's really as a as a student of leadership has really given me the opportunity to grow, expand, and reach my potential, which I then use to help others achieve their goals. Right. I remember the first time I met Ray, it was at a, it was in a hotel. It was a comfort tech and it was the gym. It was like 5.15 in the morning. He's on this treadmill and he's already sweating <laughs> like a farm animal and it's 5.15. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. what? Yeah. No, <laughs> that would be right. so he has a commitment to fitness, but so do you. Do you do, did that come from the Marines? Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's just me. Um, I just, I just want to be, I want to live, I want to live a long, healthy life. That's what right. I want. I'm not, that's all I'm worried about. I, I know I won't be able to do what I do now forever, but I want to be able to go on vacation when I'm 75, 80 years old and not worry about walking too far because right. uh, that's just too far. So well, as long as I can make that go, that's what I'll do. But yeah, Ray, Ray's, Ray's a morning workout guy. I'm an evening workout guy, so we we never run into each other at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have that commitment, and you know I think there's to me it's it's sports and fitness are all a part of it. I mean I so much of what I what I learned about success in business came from success in basketball, and I think the, there's a some transferable traits and qualities that you see in a good athlete. Oh, without question, yeah. You got you got to have a focus on. I mean, it's got to it's got to mean something to you. And there's, you know, like I'll be going to the gym this evening after work and yeah. some days it may not feel as energetic, but you know what? Once I get going, I'm, I'm all set and I always feel better afterwards. So yeah, you like, never I, said, darn, I wish I hadn't worked out today. Exactly. Exactly. So with some workouts, you might cut a little bit shorter because you're just not feeling it, but you still go. So if you had to pitch Isaac and you could in one long sentence or short paragraph, what would you say what's great about Isaac heating and air? If I could put it into one sentence, I would probably say that Isaac is an organization where the culture really dictates how how everything is going to go. The, the culture is really is center to our success because with the right culture, we've got we're able to bring the right people on board. We're able to give them the direction, and they they run with it. So I would say that it's it's based upon the culture, the Isaac culture is really is the key to our success. And culture is simply habits and attitudes, is it not? It, it definitely, it, it's the biggest part of it, without question. First we form habits and they form us. Right, exactly, exactly. And good habits are hard to form and easy to live with, and bad habits are easy to form and hard to live with. <laughs> there you go. So let's stick with the good habits. Right? Exactly. Oh, that's, that's funny. So what does the future hold for Isaac Heating and Air? Well, we, we, we're continuing on a growth path. We just finished up uh, June, uh, which ended up being our, our biggest month ever. So after being 74 years old, we still had our biggest month ever. Uh, so that continues to be the norm around here, it seems like. We've got, uh, we've got, we're redoing our training program. So we're actually going to bring, bringing on board a second full-time instructor. And we're really looking at blowing the doors off our training program and making it something that really would be difficult for anybody to imitate. We just want something that is just far and beyond what anybody would expect, uh, not just within this industry, but just training period. We we want to be the training mecca for HVAC, and we want to have the best professionals possible taking care of our clients. And that includes office staff as well as our field staff. It's everybody. So we're putting this really 
robust program together. You just keep raising the bar on yourself, don't you? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're, we are never going to settle. You're not competing and comparing yourself against anybody else, too. It's your own best self. It's kind of like a yeah. golf score, right? You're not competing with the guys you're playing with. You're competing against your own best score for that course. That is correct. Yeah, you know you know what? It's a good uh, story related to. I don't know if you ever saw or ever listened to Matthew McConaughey when he won the Oscar for Best Actor. Did you ever see his acceptance speech? No, but I'll definitely look it up. Look that up. And what he talks in there is he, he talks about three things that got him to where he is. But one of them he talked about was his hero, right? Was, was wanting to be like his hero. And what he said was that his hero was him ten, himself 10 years from now. And that he works on it for the next 10 years. But then when he gets there, his hero now is another 10 years down the road. He's, and what he's saying, he's, ne he's never going to be his hero. He's never going to match his hero. But he's always pushing himself to go further. And that's exactly what we do. Yeah. We always push ourselves to go further because we can. Competing against your own best self. Yes, exactly. Well, one of the things you do so well is you measure everything. I mean, I, 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 worked with the, I work with a lot of sports teams, and I was in Louisville, and I got a tour of the football facility, and, and they have a gigantic board. It's like the biggest board. It, it's a lot larger than your board, Eric. I just hate to tell you that. But they okay. measure every single statistic that you can measure in football. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I was taken aback by your whiteboard, your measurement board. That was impressive. Tell us why you do that. Well, we've got, and that's actually different from what, when you were here before, um, in our main conference room, which we call the excellence room, uh, we have, uh, there's three uh, scoreboards in there. And those scoreboards have, there's about 20, I think there's 20 key performance indicators or KPIs that we track on there. Those are updated monthly by the manager that they're assigned to. And it's in the conference room so that everybody can see it. And every Monday, when we have our management team meeting, we're looking at that scoreboard to see where we are in certain areas and what are we doing to get better in those areas. And we measure everything from training hours uh, per employee. We're measuring our accounts receivable, our cash conversion cycle, our close rate, the miles driven uh, without an incident or accident. Uh, we're, like I said, we're measuring about 20 different things that we determined as a team are important. And we want everyone to know what they are. They, we don't need to hide it. Look, here it is. Everybody can see it. It's transparency. Exactly. Exactly. How can we expect you to improve on something if you don't know what the goal is? Right. So It's, it's amazing. The most successful companies that I have the privilege of working with are all transparent. They're honest with where they are. You know, back to fitness, you step on the scale and go, wow, you know, I'm 290 pounds. How did I get there? Well, that's the right. first, that's the beginning of change thing. <laughs> like, well, it's five pounds a year for 10 years. Any other question? I mean, you know, like, exactly. If you don't like what you see staring back in the mirror, it's time to get to the gym, right? So that is correct. Oh, that's awesome. Well, do you have any questions for me? Oh, God, no. Uh, when are you going to be back in the area? Well, just let me know. I'll carve out some time on my schedule, my friend. You know that. I know you will. And we, well, you and I talked earlier because I've got, we've got some plans in place and just trying to put all the pieces together. So it's uh, taking a little longer because it is so, there's so much content to it. But uh, you, what you bring is part of what we want our team to see. Because when we, honestly, Mark, when we had you here before, that was some of the, the best feedback we ever got. And I, I think one of the things I know people really appreciated was you were here for like a Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. You, you offered to do a half-day program for employees 
along with their spouse or someone else they wanted to bring. And that was a very impactful program. And so things like that are what we want to do, things that they're not going to get somewhere else. Right. And uh, so we're, we're looking forward to the future. Well, I learned that from a mentor of mine, a guy named Bob Moad, and he, you know, he taught me that. And, and I'm doing that, that very thing for a company called Hamilton Equipment in Okanagan, Washington. And uh, I'm doing an all day thing for their, for their employees. But then the next day we'll bring their children and their spouses. So, okay. yeah, cause I talk to kids about four times a year and I love talking to kids because they're just little adults is, is all, you know, I was 14 yes. the first time I went to a seminar on goal setting and, you know, it changed my life. So uh, is 14 too young? I don't think so. I don't you think know? so either. Yeah. Uh, so that's so great. Yeah. Well, this, I could talk to you for another two hours. This is so <laughs> I much fun. I, I just have so many fond memories of spending time with you that time we watched a baseball game in Dallas. And uh, just, you're a class act, my friend, and a, just a joy to be around. Oh, so, I, 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 well, it's just obvious 101. I mean, that's a ham sandwich. This one's turkey. I mean, come on. All right. So, <laughs> and I, I would be remiss since uh, EGI is sponsoring this podcast to say, give some thought to uh, becoming part of the EGI family as well. So oh, I definitely uh, will. It, your closing thoughts, if you could offer advice, let's say, you know, today was your last day in HVAC and you could offer some advice to contractors, what would you tell them? Wow, that's a, that's a very good question. I would say, what can you do to make a difference in the lives of your employees? What is it that you could do so that they can see the opportunities that are available to them and help them to reach those? Everything else will fall into place. Yes, you'll have to put training programs together. And yes, you'll have to put schedules together. And you'll have to bring different people and move people around. But what can you do so that they feel more engaged and more involved in what they're doing? And I guess the last piece I'd put on there is a couple years ago, and there's a leadership group that I'm in, an association called Vistage. And they wanted each of us to come up with a, a hashtag that would become our mantra for the year. And I've got mine. I've actually still got it in my office on a whiteboard. I keep it up there. But there's a Tim McGraw song, uh, Humble and Kind. And in that song, one of, the, one of the verses towards the end, it says, and don't forget, when you get where you're going, to turn back around and help the next one in line. Yeah. So my hashtag has been uh, turn back around. So that's, that, when you help the person behind you, they're in turn going to help somebody else and everyone is going to be given the opportunity to achieve whatever they're going after. And, and from there, great things happen. Well, that's one of the central messages in my first book, Freedom from Fear, is you don't get to keep something unless you <laughs> yes. give it away. You exactly. know? I remember that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's about, about leaving it better than you found it and, and you know, helping somebody exactly. else. And I think you and I have been really blessed. We've had coaches and mentors in our lives that said, come on, kid, let me show you how all this works. Very fortunate. And you're still coaching, you know. Boys, wow. you bring up Tim McGraw, you can't talk about him without talking about Live Like You're Dying, too. I mean, you can't <laughs> listen to that song and not be affected. Nope, that, you're 100% right. And uh, it took me a while to understand a few of the verses, but I finally got it right. But, yeah. <laughs> yep, got to ride that bull Fu Manchu, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you so much, my friend, for making – I know you're a busy guy, and to carve out this much time to help other people, you're, you live what you – preach. So I'm proud to call you my friend. Mark, it's been an honor and I, I've really, I've, I've enjoyed and I've valued, I have continued to value our relationship because uh, you've always been there if I needed something and I know you always will be. Thanks, brother. As long as I'm breathing in and out. Well, listen, make it a great day unless you have other plans.
Okay, sounds good. You take care. And I'll get to the gym tonight, too. Okay, I'll expect a text from you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All righty. Goodbye. Hey, Lucas. Yes, I got indeed. so wrapped up in this thing, we yep. I forgot to ask you. Oh, yeah. Do you have any announcements? I, well, I mean, I'd really like to hear more about this ham and turkey sandwich comparison, but yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, yeah, actually, I was just going to do a quick, uh, quick mention. EGIA's newest member benefit is now live. Uh, Contractor Connect is an exclusive online forum for EGIA members that allows contractors to ask questions, share ideas with other contractors, as well as uh, EGIA Contract University's panel of experts. And that's a great way to get real-time advice, strategy, best practices, okay. networking with like-minded contractors who have boots on the ground right now. So uh, visit contractorconnect.org to get started today. Access is included in all EGIA membership levels. Very good. And uh, isn't there something coming up in the in the spring to or in the fall in September? There is. There is. Epic 2018, the annual conference. Unfortunately, you're kind of unfairly uh, showing, giving the carrot here, Mark, because we are actually sold out. However, you can go to egia.org slash epic2018 uh, to sign up for the waiting list as we get cancellations. We will absolutely backfill people from the waiting list. It's going to be a great time. Mark will be there. Uh, keynote speakers from Connie Podesta. Uh, Aaron Ralston, who is the the kind of famous outdoorsman who inspired the film 127 Hours, uh, as well as our great group of presenters for breakout sessions, as I said, like Mark. So, yeah, visit. So, wait a minute. What you're saying is uh, we have this fantastic gathering. Oh, sorry, it's sold out. (laughs) It is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you very little. Yeah, okay. It's going to be really fun, and we'll tell you guys all about it afterwards. Wish you were there. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egia.org slash podcast to find this episode and an archive of previous episodes. The online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment, links to subscribe to podcasts on Apple and Google Play, and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership, visit www.ega.org slash join. And I'm Mark Madison, and from Lucas, thank you so much for letting us play in your sandbox. We'll see you next time.